0: Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast Season 2, Episode 8, alongside Hunter Pulaski, I am Peter Garber, and we are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey, whatever your furniture need. It's Reed. Indeed. Thanks for listening today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the ticket, northernmichigan.com. We're actually off radio this week, but we'll be back next week on 104.7 FM, 1340 AM, the ticket in Charlevoix and Petoskey, 93.7 FM, the ticket in Cadillac and Traverse City. In this week's episode, Victor Hovland wins Mayakoba for the second year in a row, an incredible accomplishment for young Victor. We also look ahead to the Houston Open at Memorial Park Golf Course, in Houston, Texas. But first, let's get you caught up on what happened at the third stage of Q School, as we have some fresh faces joining the Corn Ferry Tour. Let's go. All right, so lots to get to today. I know it's we're back stateside for the Houston Open. Want to talk about Mike Hová, your boy Victor Hovland coming through? But before we get into the uh, professional ranks and talk about, uh, you know, recap last week and talk about our picks moving forward for the Houston Open. Monday was the final round for the third stage of Q School, so we have new professional golfers on to the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, I believe 40 in total, but Hunter, why don't you walk us through, um, you know, who played well in that delayed final round of third stage of Q School and... um exactly what kind of status they've earned as a result
1: yeah so uh the like peter said the the final final stage of, of q's wrapped up down in the landings down in savannah uh yep, top 40 do have some sort of status next year the the medalist receives full exempt status next year that was uh zach fisher he played uh absolutely phenomenal he he has had status in the past so kind of a kind of a one of those journeymen that uh you like you like to see him back um on the corn ferry and then finishers two through 10 are guaranteed entry into the first 12 events of the corn ferry uh tour season those guys are uh jonathan brightwell uh vincent norman uh andre cozen michael feagles sam stevens Grant Hirschman, Andrew Yun, Connor Godsey, and Tane Lee will guarantee uh, will get guaranteed twelve starts, and then finishers eleven through forty are guaranteed entry into the first eight events of the 2022 season. I will save you guys all the um, whatever the word would be for me having to read through all thirty nine of those names because I think that would be doesn't seem like something we need to we need to do
0: no no I think that's good enough
1: so um so congratulations to the guys that that do have some sort of status uh, those those guys that do only have a starts need to need to obviously uh, play their butts off for the for the first eight events to for when the for when the reshuffle happens to to maintain some sort of status exactly moving right forward.
0: yeah quite a grind to be given <laughs> what effectively is the Temporary opportunity, if you will. It just shows you that if you want to make it in this business, you better be ready to go every time you're given the opportunity to tee it up. Because you bet you got to be building points, status, with every single start.
1: They almost shouldn't even give you a like. Do they give you a a gold PGA Tour card when you get on the Corn Fairy Tour? Like you know, like all the Corn Fairy Tours get that gold card. If they don't get a, do they get a Corn Fairy card? That's a
0: great question. I can't get, say. We'd have to ask one of these guys that's done it.
1: They need to get like a, like the guys that get eight stars need to get like a, like a, like the business card version. <laughs> oh my, it's only like, we got like 10 weeks. They don't even laminate that. <laughs> yeah, thing. like 12 weeks. Yeah, worth. yeah. I was, I was curious because like it's, these guys are like, they made it on the tour, but they haven't made anything Yeah, like they better, they better play very well here to, Uh, this is just kind of the beginning It's this is a a great first step for a lot of these guys but uh, now they really got to kick into gear
0: and as detailed by guys like uh, Monday Q on Twitter you're in the hole deeply just to get to this point of having the opportunity to dig yourself out of the hole right I mean you're paying you gotta travel first stage second stage third stage Oh, the, lodging the, the prices it's, it's and that's apart from school, an entry uh, fee, <laughs> those, which is not insignificant. No, which is why people like will screenshot brand. some of these like higher scores on it. It's guys paid a lot of money to play in these tournaments, but so you're investing in yourself. You're likely going into the hole. Some of these guys they don't even have that money, so they have to go get backers. So it is an incredibly difficult and uphill battle. To break into this business and get to where you're actually financially secure. So I certainly commend everyone who played in Q School. Everyone who made it to third stage. And then the guys who were able to play under that kind of pressure. And emerge with some form of status. So it's uh, one of the more compelling things in the sport. Q School. And I was glad to at least have some of it. Uh, able for public consumption, albeit online and streaming. We're making some baby steps here in the right direction for those of us who are really avid fans of professional golf and high-quality golf at uh, at all levels. Slowly but surely, here, bringing golf into the light.
1: We're trying, 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 trying. You 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 gotta watch it though if you want if you want them to continue. You gotta watch the you gotta watch the coverage. Well, Monday. You admitted you didn't watch the coverage.
0: Monday was a bit tough for me. It was a, it was a work morning and a travel day, so I, That's didn't, true. I didn't have a lot of That's true. time to devote it a... to that, so I, I just followed on Twitter. To be fair, I didn't watch my Kobe either.
1: <laughs> what were you doing all weekend?
0: Waiting for you to send me the in for the login information for Golf Channel.
1: I'm not sure what's going to happen there because we ran into our the first, so we have somebody already, we already have a leak in our, in our system. Cause it's, it's log and I have an account and then his mom and dad and his grandma are the five people that have accounts and there only can be five screens at a time. And a couple nights ago we got like that message that said too many screens at a time. So somebody leaked, somebody already leaked our, our account to somebody else.
0: Are you sure that wasn't me? <laughs> I don't know how you would have got it.
1: I, <laughs> I don't know because it's, it's not even my, uh, it's not my email. So oh, I,
0: I didn't tell you that I hacked into your yeah. system. <laughs> I've been meaning to tell yeah. you that.
1: I, I could see you going out of your way to figure out, like to do the research of how to hack something just to figure out how to get the golf channel. You would take nothing else. You would want nothing else. You just want access to the golf channel. Have you not reached out to the golf channel? I would give my left
0: middle finger. I have not yet reached out about a direct know. feed, but I would give my left middle finger to have the golf channel for the free for the rest of my life even though I could no longer flip you off as I'm doing now because specifically the middle finger on my left hand because it stopped working anyway this thing is useless it gets stuck which I think is from golf it's like a weird form of tendonitis you don't but, play
1: enough golf for it to get stuck
0: seriously Dorothy sees it get stuck and I'm like ah and she's like uh oh dada yeah. I'm like uh oh it's right babe it's a real problem
1: Mid mid 30s are hitting hard
0: one of these days I'm gonna watch a golf tournament though, and maybe it'll be the Houston Open. But first, now that we've congratulated our Q School graduates, the floor is yours, your boy Victor Hovland. No, no,
1: no, we're, no. We're gonna continue on. I'm. I'm we're gonna get you. I'm so sick of you do not have a golf channel. Why there are? Oh, you are you are so cheap. There are so many different. Um, streaming services that offer like a month trial, free month trial. Just just make your way. Your fall season just should consist of you got Hulu for a month in October, you got like Fubu for a month in November, and then you got uh, whatever the YouTube TV for a month. YouTube TV is not for a month, it's only for like four days. I I almost got screwed by that. Don't get caught doing
0: Well, that. speaking of Fubo and being cheap, I have exhausted every email address. <laughs> <that> my- <laughs> <laughs> using free trials on football. Oh jeez. You watch both golf and NFL football. Oh my gosh. So, Have
1: you exerted Sarah's emails as well?
0: No, but I'm a little worried about crossing over into that territory for fear that what that could mean for me. So I think I'm going to I'm going to stay away from that. I was thinking about starting to use my mom's emails next. Oh but,
1: oh, I was thinking why not just like Tad? Still pays for cable. <laughs> I probably should. I don't think he knows what his
0: login is. He wouldn't have a clue. He wouldn't, <laughs> have, a, <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue.
1: Cause okay. Like, th- so now,
0: are we done making fun of the fact that I don't actually watch the golf, even though I do a golf podcast?
1: No, and and no, I don't. I think people should like, realize how how uh, much you are on your <laughs> that PGA Tour app, much like the Open, the Open rate. I don't
0: thing. even use the app, dude. I just look at it in my browser.
1: Oh, do you, like on Safari? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, on your phone? Yes. Whoa, that's weird. Why?
0: <laughs> I've found that it works better.
1: I mean that would make sense.
0: I think it, the PGA Tour app is so dysfunctional.
1: I mean, I I believe it. I don't. I don't think it's the same. It might be the same information getting shot to both sources, but I think the desktop is probably quicker.
0: I think it's the speed. It's the speed. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, I, mean, I need to know.
1: Yeah, I mean Thursday morning. Joel Diamond, are you really going to go
0: four over in the last three holes? Refresh, refresh, refresh to cost me all my money this week, which he did. But I, I have a lot to, I have a lot of gripes, I have personal issues with individual players who I'll be, who I'll be calling out momentarily. I also want to talk about the fact that I have two seconds in a row in the outright market, which is, you know, <clears throat> a challenge. But first, this is your favorite player on tour just won last week. Yeah, I know. And I didn't... He won by three. I saw Jeff Feinberg, whose name you guys have heard me drop before, and you should follow him on Twitter. He's been betting Victor Hovland to win by three or more strokes for like two years, and he, they had to, the books had to create it for him. But I, I saw he finally got to hit that, so he was right about that all along. But how good is Victor Hovland, and how upset should we be for not being on that in the mid? mid-teens range we talked about him specifically last week and we said hard to imagine him going back to back at this event
1: yeah proved us wrong proved me wrong um i'm sick of it i, I what's what are the stages of grieving I, i've accept is ex- acceptance is the first stage might be okay so if it is that's what I've, I've accepted that i will never be on the golfers that i like the week that they win so I'm not actually that upset about it. I'm happy for Victor because I think Victor is so damn good at golf. He's had three wins in three seasons. I mean, he is. I, only thing. All on past Palum. Interesting.
0: Very he interesting. He's
1: a past Palum. Put that in the back. Put that in the back of the think tank for time. For, time. for we don't future. play on a lot of past Palum, <laughs> yeah. but when we do, Victor yeah. Hoffman's gonna win. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's so. I um. The only thing that that worries me it's always been it's always been the short game, yeah. And and you, you looked at it the the Sunday when I watched on on Sunday the the pitching and chipping looked a ton better. He had a couple he had a mishap on the the par five on the back side where he did flub a chip, but I do think with with how straight he hits it, how good his iron play is, if he can just start making putts. I don't, I don't really know. Well, he's
0: going to be one of these players. He's, it's incredible because he's so similar to Colin Morikawa. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to almost tell these guys apart when you look just at the numbers. I mean, Colin is a superior iron player to everyone else on tour, or at least was when he was playing really well last summer, and that is the strength of his game. But he's very straight off the tee. They're not uber long. And when they bump into a hot putter, which is, looks like Vic will always do or, or, or has done – on past Palum, every opportunity he's gotten. Um, when they bump into that hot putter, they're going to be really, really hard to beat, and we can see, you know, quote-unquote blowout victories like we saw from Hovlin because the ball striking is so superior that if the putting catches up to the field or all of a sudden they're gaining strokes putting on the field, which is a rare occurrence for these guys, but that's why you always have to... Hideki just did this. His numbers were poor because his putting was not good. Now, I know he was complaining about his game, but then all of a sudden he has a decent putting week and he wins. That's a lot of what goes into golf gambling is numbers get depressed on guys simply because they're not making enough putts. That is the most volatile statistic, if you will, within the game of golf. The amount of putts you're going to make in a given week is going to go up or down more... Drastically than the number of fairways or greens that you hit in a given week because those things are more repeatable. Putts, uh, you know, is more, is harder to predict in the sense that you can get really hot with a putter, you can get really cold with a putter, you're putting on different surfaces at different speeds, et cetera, et cetera. It just presents a different. Uh, challenge than putting a ball on a tee and hitting a driver.
1: Speaking of speed, I, I think this is. I mean, I think that's something to take away from this. These greens were rolling like a ten, ten and a half. I think this is maybe what he's more comfortable with. I can't imagine uh, the Puerto Rico Open greens couldn't have been very fast. And they can't be because with the it's wind. So windy, there. yeah. So this, I mean, the last week were I think they were about a ten. I think where he grew up has to play a factor in that. Where I don't think those greens, typically in Europe, I don't think they get much faster than a ten or eleven. Um, for similar reasons to to the Puerto Rico Open, so it's so it's interesting to see when you mention speed and and surfaces, but uh, similar to the Pastalum, he's not. There aren't many <laughs> greens that run at a ten on the PJ Tour, yeah, so yeah. we got we got to pick and choose when we take Victor. But like, if I mean, I don't know, he's twenty four years old, just turned twenty four.
0: The lesson, yeah, the lesson for me is he's viable in the mid teens. He is going to be a serious uh, uh, consideration for the bigger events this season, including the Players' Championship, um, some of the majors, and we are going to have to see him and think about him in the high teens, low 20s, and we can't discard uh, him as a possibility simply because his odds have come down to that area. I I still think Colin is the better of those two players, but it's that race that's going to be fascinating. They came out at about the same time. They have very similar skill sets. Really looking forward to many, many years of watching the two of those guys hit their irons.
1: Yeah, it's um, one final known, Victor. I, I think it's, uh, it's very impressive to see him play with the lead. He is just with how good he strikes the ball you're not really very nervous when Victor Hovland's over a tee shot with not much room to work with over a second shot into a, a tight pin because he is so solid. He never really puts himself in a bad position. So he's not going to lose many shots. He, he I mean, The only way he's going to lose shots, he flubs a chip, which he's known to do and maybe a couple three-putts, but he hits it so solid that you, you like him down the stretch in a lot of these. He's not going to fold, I don't He think.
0: has that ball flight. Yeah. with that little baby cut all the way through his bag that is just easier to control for every, you know, every golfer. Easier to control a fade than a than a draw for sure, but it, boy, that upright action, that inside out move, you know, it's there's a lot to be said for golfing your ball that way. His body's not particularly involved in his golf swing. You know he's just solid over it. He's getting the most out of his swing arc. You know, like those hands are far away from his body on the backswing. That club is nice and tall in the back. And for a little guy, he just flushes. I mean, he just f- 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 every time with the irons up into the up into the longer irons too, which was a and everyone not lo- a huge factor last week, but certainly will be this week at the Houston yeah.
1: Open. And everyone loves him too, like the like the general public loves him players like, he just seems so happy all the time he just has like this the most like this this the glow to his smile like just brings makes me want to smile
0: and that's exactly as someone who's met him yeah. and followed him that's exactly he's very genuine that's exactly what he's like he's very approachable um we were in detroit and we bumped into him because we were there for the rocket Mortgage. he was trying to get a haircut and we had watched him play earlier that day, so I was bumping into him on the sidewalk or whatever, and he's like, oh, I was just they're trying to get a haircut, and they they told me they don't have any availability. <laughs> and Ted said, well, did you tell him you're Victor Hovland? <laughs> and, of course, he said no. He thought that was kind of funny, but just a... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but just a, a genuine guy who's, you know, just really, really... Uh, really good at golf. I loved some of the videos that were circulating on Twitter after his victory about his, his comments about why he doesn't have Twitter. Yeah. If you saw that, but, uh, he's a great interview. He's an interesting guy. So young. Um, but yeah, congrats to him. It is difficult to go back to back. Speaking of which, did you see the statistic floating around? I think it might've been Jason Sobel that started tweeting this out about since we had a back-to-back winner of events, and that was being talked about as the first time that's been done since blah, blah, blah. And Did you see the Tiger stat?
1: <clears throat> Victor Havel went back-to-back at Mayakoba. So tough to successfully defend a title on the PJ Tour, nobody has had done it since 2019. Which makes this one of the more underrated and remarkable Tiger stats. He successfully depended, defended a title 23 times, <laughs> including nine from 2006-2007.
0: That's the stat.
1: To give even to give this even better perspective, Tiger successfully defended more PJ Tour titles than Greg Norman, Ernie Els, or Davis Love the Third ever won and more <laughs> Whoa, geez, Luis, And more than Rory McElroy owned so far. Yes. Just to <laughs>
0: repeat that. Tiger has more repeat victories. Meaning winning an event two years in a row. He's done that more times than Davis Love, Ernie Ells what was the other one? Greg Norman Greg Norman have won (laughs) tournaments on their own total. It's like every time something spectacular happens on tour it's fun to go back and remember there was a guy who used to do this all by himself all the time so it's just its fun to see those
1: tweets and that's, that's literally an impossible thing to do now I, I don't i don't that would that is an impossible thing to do in this day and age this game I, maybe i i back in the early 2000s I don't think and you probably know better that you probably watched more golf in that era but I don't think the players were as good there weren't as many good players like this this is not this not this year like not it's, these last couple of years this I, is incredible I
0: agree. And now we're we're in the stage where all the guys who grew up watching Tiger and wanted to play golf are now professional. Yeah. The question is less about the premium top end talent and more about the depth. Cuz we're seeing guys flash into the scene and you know like take a K- Taylor Gooch for example. Yeah. Who's kind of a middling tour player over the past few years. Was a really good player at Oklahoma State, was on some great teams there. Obviously he's, a, you know, he's those of us in the gambling community and the followers of golf know who he is, but he's, he's gone on a run these past six or eight weeks or all of a sudden where I don't think he's finished outside of the top 12 and he's a relative unknown on the tour. I think that kind of thing is much more common now because the younger guys are better. They're more ready and Every, almost everyone in the tour ranks has the potential to win an event in a, you know, at a, in a given week.
1: It helps like, that Taylor Gooch has one of the more recognizable names. I mean, I think anybody, if he had a name like John Smith, it might be a little tougher name to, you don't forget Taylor Gooch is a very, I remember that name.
0: Well, speaking of Taylor Gooch, should we move on to the Houston Open? Yeah. That was a great, well, quickly, just because I didn't lament it quite enough. I was tracking. I I texted Hunter early on Sunday. Uh, I was you know about ready to spend some winnings. I did, I knew Ortiz probably wasn't going to win. That's a, the second consecutive second place in the outright markets for me. So that's brutal. A brutal beat, especially when you don't have each ways because I went up for the seventy to one instead of the sixty with an each way, which was a mistake, but. Ah, uh, it's stupid. What? I wanted the extra 10 points. What? <laughs> what the heck? Back to me being cheap. I, I wasn't even We're paying. We're back I, to me being cheap again, I was okay? I'm even cheap in I the was way that I letting,
1: gave. I was letting Peter just ramble there, and I was like, I was kind of dosing off, and I heard that, and I like had my ears pretty. Well, what? imagine how I feel. What are you doing? So on top of that, I had, as I gave
0: out, and sorry to anybody, if you went through this with me. Call me. We'll get together. Like a su- we'll get a support group together or something. But brutal beats on Diamond and Long. Joel, I love you, buddy. I'm gonna keep riding you. Well, I share in your misery from how that felt finishing up your round because when I opened my Safari browser <laughs> on my on my phone to look at the leaderboard, you were in either 11th or 12th place and you were five under on your round. As you well know, you shot even. That cost me not just the opportunity to potentially cash a top 10 at enormous odds for you, but also a top 20. And to add insult to injury, Joel, the top 40, as you finished one stroke out of the top 40. To give me zero in winnings on what was going to be about an 8-1 to return on my investments on you, would you have finished just in the top 20? Didn't even need the top 10. Then, 45 minutes later, Adam Long proceeds to go through a very similar routine. He skipped the double on 16, but he matched Joel's bogeys on 17 and 18 to fall out of the top 20 by a stroke. He was close to hitting a top 10, which I had at absurd odds last week. So I went from having, I was like, wow, I'm going to have a great week and I'm not even going to hit an outright. This is amazing. All my finishing positions. I stacked these bets properly. I'm heavily invested in the right guys, and in the course of an hour and a half, it just came crashing down. So thankfully, Long still hits the top 40, saves my ass, Charles Howell hits the top 40, and so I came away mostly unscathed, but boy, it was a brutal brutal Sunday for me, a second place in the outright, and then late stumbles. For two of my core plays, uh, in the gambling side and on DraftKings, and they just cost me any chance of having a a winning week. But I will say that I'm feeling good about where we are. We're we're we have them surrounded. I mean, Hunter was on Gooch last week. He's in the final group. I'm on Ortiz. He finished his second. We just didn't want to pay up for Hovland. Back to being cheap. So that'll have to be you know reconsidered in in some sense moving forward. But. We had the right plays for the most part. And so I feel really good about where we are and and the picks that we're going to be giving out here uh, moving forward. Houston Open is a huge challenge for gamblers. Um, so let's get into that, shall we? Yeah.
1: Let's
0: Memorial Park Golf Course. Second year we've been here. I would strongly... If you're going to gamble this week, I would tell you to go watch highlights from last year's round. Visually, this golf course, I think you want to see it to help frame your gambling approach. Why is that? Well, I don't like using a ton of sh- the strokes gained and the corollary statistics that are out there and available to you if you're on Twitter or whatever, and which I can will give out to you now. Because we only have one year of strokes gained data from this golf course, that could flip totally. If it's really windy or some tees get moved around or, you know, there's all kinds of things that could just different players performing better this week because they're in form all of a sudden change the corollaries. But you will hear people say what's going to be important this week is scrambling putting on fast Bermuda is going to be important. We're on Bermuda greens. I think it's Bermuda throughout the the property. You're going to hear um, it's important to hit the fairway because the rough is penal. So if you're seeing consensus in the community, that's kind of where it's trending. Um, I agree on some of that. One thing is for sure, this is a much longer golf course than what we have been playing. So it's very possible we see a totally different, not just profile of player here this week, but just individual players who come through here despite either not having a lot of lead-in form because there's really not a ton of similarities between the golf courses we've been playing, Bermuda, uh, Port Royal, uh, Mayakoba, and Memorial Park. 7,400 plus par 70. That is what I I really think that requires a specific kind of a skill set. That's a long golf course. You are going to be hitting long irons into this golf course. Carlos Ortiz won here last year. What does, what's the, the best part of his game? Long iron play. So I feel confident in that in itself for sure. If you want to look at profiling of players, I also think – Guys who are really good with their drivers here are going to have a huge advantage this week and who are long. This golf course allows you to hit a lot of drivers. There are trees, but it's not tree-lined. It's not really rich in trouble. It looks kind of open visually. So guys who are good with their drivers and can advance it a long ways off the tee here should have an advantage. And if they're good at playing out of Bermuda Rough or they're especially strong, I think the distance is going to be more valuable even than the accuracy. Carlos Ortiz said after his round on Sunday when he won last year, and he's not playing this year because that left shoulder is still bugging him, which is unfortunate after the great week last week, and because he won't soak up all that ownership on DraftKings that we could have created some leverage on, but he said Sunday after he closed out with that birdie on 18 to win last year, I hit some fairways today, which made it easier much easier for me to play and score today. That means two things. Yes, the golf course is easier when you hit the fairway. Second, he didn't hit. He felt he didn't hit fairways all week, and he was in the last. I think he was in the last group, and went on to win by hitting more f- fairways on Sunday. So don't fall into the trap of thinking you have to be really straight here. Um, I just think you have to profile to play well on par 70s you have to be good with longer irons you have to be good on longer par fours a bunch of the par fours are over 440 here this week the par 3 3 of the par threes are over 200 so really long irons who's good with long irons who's good on long par 70s that's kind of more of what I'm emphasizing the other thing that you'll notice if you go watch highlights is a lot of the green complexes well, these are above average Bermuda sized greens they're very fast but there's a lot of shaved areas around the green. So you will see a lot of players in the highlights using putter from off the green and having great success. That may be why those short game numbers are inflated from corollaries last year. We just saw a lot of strokes gained by players holing out from off the green. Now that's just a theory of mine, but I actually think it looks fairly easy to get the ball up and down around this golf course As opposed to some other places that might have thicker rough around the greens or the greens may be much smaller, which makes it harder to get it up and down. So I'm not really big on emphasizing um, short game this week. I'll be more looking at some Bermuda putting. And then lastly, you're going to hear a lot of people talk about how this golf course is really tough. Winning score last year, I believe, was 13 under, which sounds pretty low, especially compared to some of the golf courses we've been playing. But that is one week. We all have to consider the possibility that the winning score here could be 18 under this week. I don't think it'll be a lot low or uh, higher than minus 13, meaning something in the single digits or, or minus 10. I just think these players are are too good, even though there's only two par fives on this golf course. But it could be, it could play easier this year than it did last year. So I don't think you can profile the golf course as a difficult golf course necessarily with only one year of data.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, it's so dependent on from everything I've read sort so dependent on the wind, which is, which is so um, typical for a Texas course. But the scoring average last year was Thursday, uh, Thursday and Friday, right, right around 70, Saturday went to 69 and Sunday went to 68. Yeah. I think the so, cut
0: was minus one last year.
1: Uh, plus three, I believe. Plus three. Plus three.
0: Wow, okay. So I played a little tougher than I thought.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you will hear a lot about the wind, guys who are good in Texas. Again, I don't think this looks so much like a Texas golf course to me. Um, Certainly the wind can be a factor, and if it blows, you'll want guys who hit that lower penetrating ball flight or who are, or at least are experienced in windy conditions. So you're going to hear a lot about the Australians. Um. You know, I think Mark Leishman probably get some love this week. Um, and you'll hear about some of the Texas guys. So maybe Ryan Palmer will get brought up by some gambling people. Certainly Charlie Hoffman will get brought up. I do think Charlie's an interesting play here because he's coming off poor form and now the number has plummeted probably to where it's <clears throat> a little too... Um,
1: Sky Scheffler I think is going to get uh, a lot of love too because he played... He finished very strong last week. I don't know what place he finished. Where, where did he finish last week? Do you know off the top of your head?
0: He did finish in the top five because I was kicking myself for not picking that up. Uh, it was plus 270 Sunday morning, and he was the guy I felt best about in terms of recovering from a yeah. pedestrian round the day before.
1: Yeah, fourth place, shot five under on Sunday for a solo fourth. So I think you mentioned – and
0: I believe he played well here last year. So here let me take let me quick take you through last year's leaderboard. Um and you'll see how this leaderboard was all about what happened on Sunday. Um Ortiz won at thirteen under, like we said. He shot five under on Sunday. Hideki was second with Dustin Johnson. Again, premium players in the field coming to the forefront last year. Hideki shot minus seven, and DJ shot minus five on Sunday. Taylor Gooch made a charge all the way up to fourth. I think he's going to be super popular in DraftKings this week in the low 900s. Uh, Brooks played well on Sunday, shot 500 to get into a tie for fifth, along with Sepp Straka, who struggled on Sunday, shooting one under. I do think he's an interesting play. He's a long iron specialist. Mackenzie Hughes came charging up into the top ten. There's uh, four guys that finished at, at seven under. Uh, Mac, Tyrell Hatton, who's up in the 10K range in DraftKings uh, this week, and uh, one of the premium players in the field. Sam Burns, highest price player on DraftKings this week, and I believe he's leading the odds board as well. Yes. Shot two over on Sunday to finish in a tie for seventh. Jason Day shot one over. I believe that, that may have actually been the final group last year. So. Burns back on Bermuda, all of a sudden at the top of the Osbord, coming off a top ten. Um, so it's just interesting to go back through some of those guys. Other notables from last year's leaderboard: my guy Adam Long, tied for 11th; Shane Lowry, who's playing again this year, tied for 11th; Aaron Wise, who's on a heater, tied for 11th; Harold Varner had a good Sunday here; Russell Knox, a guy whose name, a guy whose name keeps coming up on this podcast, weekend and week out, was tied for 15th last year, and Maverick McNeely. Shot 300 on Sunday to get into the top twenty. Uh he's been in some great form, played well last Sunday. And a guy who I think will be uh popular. So any any insights from you on Memorial Park or the are the Houston Open and then we can go through the odds board.
1: Uh no, nothing. nothing that uh nothing that you did not uh, that you did not cover. You did a nice job.
0: So I mentioned Sam Burns kicking it off at the top of the board. Really amazing to see his meteoric rise through the game of golf to the point that he's now at the top of the odds board. He's very good on Bermuda, and he rates out very well in the ball striking. So it is justified for him to be at the top of the board. However, it's very unusual and a bit of a shock to actually see it. Scheffler is behind him at 16-1. to then there's some space and we get all the way up to 23. I'm on FanDuel in Michigan right now. Cam Smith at 23. Sung Im, who we know is very good on Bermuda, and very good on Par 70s, and good with his long irons, is 24 to 1. Finau just behind him at 25. Wolf coming off a good week, three good rounds, one tough round. Uh 29 to 1. Brooks Kepka. The clear value on the board if you're playing potential only. Again. He keeps falling into this category. He's thirty to one with Taylor Gooch, Joaquin Neiman. Excuse me, with Taylor Gooch and Joaquin Neiman, followed by Tyrrell Hatton. Thirty-one to one. Ortiz would have been next. He is not playing due to the left shoulder injury. Just behind him. Adam Scott at thirty-four. Aaron Wise at thirty-five. Maverick McNeely at thirty-six. Reed. Patrick Reed. Thirty-six to one lives in the Houston area. Uh Mark. Leishman, whose name we mentioned as being potentially popular as a good wind player, he's 41-1. to I will point out that he has not been great with his driver of late. Russell Henley, the number one player in the world, according to gambling golf models, and again this week, and he's great on Lightning Fast Bermuda, is 43-1. to He was very popular last week, did not pay off. Kokrak, who's been struggling, is 45. Lanto Griffin, who won this event two years ago at a different golf course. Is 45. Shane Lowry is clearly mispriced, um, at 46 to one and may get some of my money this week. Uh, just behind him, Cameron Tungali at 47 with Max Homa and Seamus Power, and they close out the odds board 50 to one and under. I will. Other notables. Bear with me. I know this is a lot of me. And not very much Hunter, but I want to get through all of this before we dig in so we just have a lay of the land. Mackenzie Hughes, who I mentioned charged on Sunday here last year, is 60 to 1. Varner, who had a good week here last year, 70 to 1. Jason Day, who I mentioned backed up on that final day. Haven't seen or heard much from Jason Day lately. Uh falls into that Brooks and Reed category of being a better player over the course of his career than his price this week which is 80 to one Charlie Hoffman who I mentioned 90 to one Jonathan Vegas a guy who went to the University of Texas and also lives in the Houston area also 90 to one very good with his driver and can play uh par 70s and then Ryan Palmer who I mentioned as being a Texas Uh, resident and somebody who might get some talk this week in terms of some longer shots is 100 to 1 any strong takes on the odds board this week and how it matches up to what you see uh, unfolding from this event
1: Uh, first thing I gotta mention is the FanDuel odds board is so much better than the Barstool Sportsbook odds board as of right now I, I have like Patton's 16, Smith's 18, Sungjae's 20, Adam Scott's 22, and then you get to, like, that's where all those guys that you mentioned at 23 are that much lower. That's brutal. Yeah. So so I make sure you b- shop, shop around. Shop around. Definitely shop around. Um, we're I was, not sponsored
0: by any. You have the benefit of when you listen to this podcast. We're not yeah, connected to any single book, though.
1: <laughs> and and believe me, Peter Shops, I'm sure you, you have. Oh, book.
0: I get the best number. Anyway, <laughs> I think we covered that freaking Ortiz last week.
1: Um. I was gonna say like, like, I, I I can't stand Kepka still being this slow, but I don't. But then I remembered. I don't know if you remember that uh, Kepka was somewhat involved with this renovation uh, last year with with Doke.
0: He was. Thank you for bringing that up because I missed that in the course preview section. That's so I, I think definitely that's definitely going to be mentioning. a talking point.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's if that's going to make him decide to actually play some golf this week, but it's something to it's something to consider. I'm not I'm not going to bet. Brooks twenty eight to one, and at the Houston Open.
0: I don't think I am either. I don't know. I don't quite know what to do.
1: I, <sighs> but I do have some picks. I, I actually have some. Okay. Uh, one one that I I really like is uh, is Neiman at thirty to one. Is what I, I don't know what you what you set him at. I have him at thirty to one. He's coming off a really strong finish at Mayakoba. He he um, catapulted up to a t fifth on Sunday. Um, I think his ball striking is, is good enough. He's long enough to compete at a, at a golf course like this. Mm-hmm. And then, um,
0: and he hits a lower, I'll throw into the Neiman bucket. Mm-hmm. Don't know, f- f- I don't have numbers in front of me about how he plays in the wind necessarily, but I would tell you that he hits a ball flight that should be good in the wind, which is a lower, more penetrating ball flight, particularly with this driver. He's one of the lower hitters. Uh, on tour. So that, if it gets to be windy, that would certainly be a benefit. And yes, he's plenty long to excel on. I'm sure if you looked, he would be one of the leaders on tour in terms of uh, total driving because he's very accurate and has above average length.
1: And then I'll, I'll give you a top 20 that I really like. Um, he he struggled um, the most part of this, of this fall season and he, he had um, some success last week. I think that uh Aaron Rye to top twenty at plus four fifty has my attention. I think I'm gonna bet that. He he got cut silly for the first few events, but he rounded into some decent form last week. I think he's long enough. I don't know I don't know what his stats are off the top of my head, but I don't know if you, that uh <clears throat> he is one of those up and coming guys. I imagine that he's good in the wind. He's from he's from Europe. So he's got to be good in the wind.
0: More just... accomplished player probably than people give him credit for. And people are not super familiar with Aaron Rye. Um,
1: Two gloves. Because
0: he came to the tour via Europe rather than via Korn Ferry. So, so I think I believe he went through Corn Ferry playoffs to get his status. But he ended up over here playing on PGA Tours as, as a result of his success on Euro Tour, I believe. And, ha- and is now making the move to the full-time to the PGA so it's one of those it's a different kind of move than coming up from below it's still a step up but it's more of a lateral move so he's probably overqualified you know maybe potentially could be fair to say that he's a more experienced professional golfer than um, some of the other newer names in this field
1: yeah I totally agree And he, and don't don't let the fact that he he has iron covers deter you from from betting on him. I think he's. I I could see him having some successes.
0: Great stories go into those iron covers. Heard him tell that story. <clears throat> yeah, like a thousand
1: times, and it's not even. I mean,
0: well, I'm so sorry to bring it up to you. Then
1: not to not to be like a Debbie Downer, um, like old man yelling at clouds. So are gonna do that? I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Um. Those clubs closed. He didn't buy those clubs. Those clubs were bought for him. So the saying doesn't really make much sense. Ooh, Ooh shots fired by Hunter. But play well this week, Aaron.
0: Yeah. Guess, <laughs> are you a supporter or not?
1: I am. Well, you're trying to make me not, but I am. I am. I am, I am a supporter.
0: Um. So. You're on ride right to top twenty, and you like Neem in, in the outright market.
1: Those those are the two that I, I see right away. I don't. <clears throat> I I really struggle with this with this time of year seeing these, these numbers that are so. What do you have Sangjae at on FanDuel? Because Sung hasn't shot over par this fall yet. 24 to 1. 24 to 1. So I, I don't hate that number. I don't.
0: Uh... He's almost always good value. And now we're on Bermuda. And if it does play, like he won, you know, Honda, that golf course is hard on Bermuda. I know it's more water and wind and tight uh, compared to this property. But in terms of the sort of shots that you have to hit to uh, excel at memorial park it's not totally dissimilar from that so like if it plays tougher that 24 to 1 looks looks pretty good in relation to like the 30 on brooks and the 30 you know 33 36 on reed that kind of thing it's like eh, i'll I'll pay up nine more points to get a, a more reliable play of a guy who's In actually, in form.
1: Yeah, he's taking three weeks off too, so he's probably like the most refreshed that he's ever been. I imagine he's probably feeling on top of the world right now. And I'm I'm not going to spin that as like he'll have he'll need some time to kick it into gear. I'm I'm thinking that he's going to come out firing.
0: So I actually think I'm going to be a little light this week. I have interest in a number of guys. I think on the DraftKings side, I'm probably going to be really contrarian. And I'm going to play Bombers, I think. I really think that a long par 70, penal rough, is more penal to a shorter hitter in the event that they miss a fairway. And an eight iron from Bermuda rough, even if it's longer than average, still might end up at the end of the day, winning in proximity over a, a six or a five iron from the fairway. So I think length is going to be a huge advantage here, particularly long irons. So I like looking at some of these guys who are great iron players and whose this golf course seems to fit in the in the Ortiz decky uh, model here. You know, DJ probably got it done a little bit more with his driver last week to get into that, or last year, to get into that tie for a second. But with Hideki and Ortiz, those are guys that are just very good with their irons and can get hot with the putter. So who falls into that category this week? To me, the first guy that comes to mind is Adam Scott. Adam Scott at 34-1. to rounding into form, and interestingly, has been great with his putter.
1: You don't hear that very often.
0: Not something you'll often say with Adam Scott, and I believe I mentioned this earlier in the pod, the struggles have been more with the driving. He was 14th over in Europe at the BMW PGA, which is the tournament that Billy Horschel won. Kind of slowed down over the weekend after opening with a 65 there. And he was 5th at Summit Club. That was his most recent appearance, I believe. He, When I watch the highlights of this golf course, when I think about a Carlos Ortiz, Hideki Matsuyama type of game, when I think about the long-term positive trends for Adam Scott, I think he's the forgotten Aussie this week. I think a lot of money goes to Cameron Smith, who I don't necessarily dislike this week. That's more of a, if you're protecting against a harder golf course and more scrambling in my opinion, Um, I I think he's going to get a lot of attention. Cam Smith, Mark Leesman will get a lot of attention right in between those, a guy who's going to be seen as potentially being overpriced both in DraftKings and the outright market at the 34 number. I think I'm going to be in on Adam Scott. Any thoughts on that, Hunter?
1: Uh, I'm honestly, I think it's way too low for Adam Scott, but has Adam Scott been playing well?
0: It just gave his results.
1: <laughs>
0: 35th at. Uh, I zoned out for. In second. Vegas. <laughs> I saw that. And fifth at the Summit Club. And so, like I said, he's been putting really well. And I think these new. I think these guys that got their hands on this new title as driver, their driving statistics and their form is improving. I mean I really think that that's going overlooked. Fleetwood has shown some life. Justin Thomas is playing well. Um and I think that form is coming back for Adam Scott. And when I like I said when I watch this golf course, when I watch people putting from off the green, when I watch a guy like Ortiz who's great with his long irons doesn't normally putt really well. Um Scott just seems to to keep my, uh, it, it, things are just pointing in the direction of Adam Scott for me. Um, like I said, I'm going to save some bullets. I'm going to be a little lighter this week. And I still have to process some of these picks. is a little harder week to figure out. Uh, people are going to be off of Russell Henley. And his number has now dropped a little bit. Russell Henley has not been a winner on tour in quite some time. However, I think you're looking at a guy who's a strong candidate for finishing position bets this week, given uh, the way his game lines up, excuse me for this event. And the fact that we're back on Bermuda. So what I wanted to get to, and Hunter will make fun of me for this, but so I just put in a mixed condition model that I created for myself. You it's just, very
1: simplistic. No less than 15 minutes ago you were just saying how you can you don't need to think about last year's, yes, last said, year's tournament because it was essentially irrelevant because things can change and people are playing this well. Isn't from
0: last, right. <laughs> this isn't from last year necessarily. There are t- things that I'm it's a harder than average par 70 on Bermuda 50% in the model. The other 50%, who puts well on fast Bermuda greens? Okay. And I've said that Russell Henley is an absolute model superstar. Okay, but here are the t- here's the top of that model. This is going to be weighted more to putting than ball striking, so just be cognizant of that. But maybe this is something you can pick the better ball strikers from as potential plays for either outrights or finishing position this week. Number one, no surprise, fourth in putting, Second in hard par seventies on Bermuda. Sung Jm, Sung Jm is the best player on on tour in this in this field on hard par seventies on Bermuda grass with fast greens. That checks out. That sounds right. So I think we're on the right track here with this model.
1: Yeah. So far, so good with the model.
0: Second in the model. Want to guess?
1: I'm I'm gonna guess Russell Henley. That's exactly correct. Who hasn't had a win since? (laughs) since before I was 10 years so old. So
0: again, $8,900 in DraftKings, not going to be super popular. I think there's a lot of reason to like Russell Henley this week because people have been way overboard on him and he has not been performing for them. He's a cut maker. He's good on Bermuda. Better putter on fast greens. Sixth in this field on lightning fast Bermuda. So hopefully if they keep those greens fast and the course plays harder, I think Henley is someone to consider for finishing position, probably not as an outright at 43. Uh, and then I'll just talk you through some of the other names on this model. Denny McCarthy keeps popping up, Bermuda, great Bermuda putter. Ian Poulter, good with his longer irons and a great putter. Makes sense, checks out. Nick Watney in hot form lately, and we know how he can fill it up with his putter. There's Mark Leishman, who I think will be extremely popular this week. Breaks on 22nd on the hard Bermuda par 70s and ninth in the putting. Uh, followed by Sam Ryder. And then some guys that I have some interest in, one of whom is Trey Mullinax. Oh, boy. You've heard me talk about Trey Mullinax. I have. I mentioned that I think the driver is going to be a weapon this week. He is a great driver of the golf ball. Big, strong, long hitter, flusher from the south played college golf at Alabama, should be comfortable on a golf course like this that has a quintessential southern um, feel to it, being in Texas and on Bermuda. He's 17th in this field in strokes game putting. This is the last 24 rounds, I think, by the way, on fast Bermuda. 28th on hard par 70s. I'd rather a couple more par fives, but I think this is a guy that we can consider for top 40s this week. And for DraftKings, if you're with me and you think the driver is going to be a weapon. So I think that's <clears throat> really interesting. And then Ryan Palmer pops here. I really think like, Ryan Palmer is a volatile play. I will not be betting finishing position or things of that nature on him, but I think he's potentially a really good play in DraftKings this week at $7,100. From Texas, flushes it with the irons, has above average length. We all know that John Rahm Light, if you will. Um, Can he bump into a hot putter on Bermuda Greens this week, make a few extra putts, and get himself into the top 30, top 20, top 10? I certainly don't think that that's impossible. The only other guys that I'm thinking about in the outright market, I'm going to bet Jason Day at 80-1. to Okay. Backed up on the last day here last year on Sunday, Obviously, the numbers don't support that kind of decision, but i that's a hunch type of bet.
1: Sure sounds like it.
0: And I don't know. Is Jason Day going to come back and be a, a good player again on the PGA Tour? It's put up or shut up kind of time here. We're getting into the you know potential Ricky Fowler type territory here. So, uh, obviously, a far more accomplished player than uh, Ricky Fowler. But there seems to be... It looks like a decent connection here uh, with Jason Day and Memorial Park Golf Course, so I think it's worth a flyer at eighty to one. I'm probably not gonna, you know, I'm certainly not gonna bet him to finish in any finishing positions. I probably won't play him in DraftKings, but eighty to one gives me some investment on him and allows me to sort of walk away in the other areas. And then I'm gonna continue to mine. Shane Lowry at forty-six to one in this field, behind Jason Kokrak, behind Russell Henley, behind Mark Leishman, and it's behind Maverick McNeely. I mean, I'm sorry, that's just not correct. Um, and the game seems to be enough of a fit here that I think we had to have interest in Lowry at forty-six to one. So,
1: I like that number a lot. And then just to, to um, further your support for. For supporting uh Russell Henley, he did win the Shell Houston Open. It was it was when it was in April and it was when it was on a different golf course. But he has won a, he has won the Houston Open before. I'm in telling to, you. In twenty seventeen.
0: Everybody's getting off him. I think it's at the I think it's at the
1: Yeah, I mean actually mean yeah. it makes perfect sense. His other his other two wins were the Honda Classic. Bingo. I like the corollary with the Honda. The Sony Open.
0: Uh lastly I'm selling my shares on Gooch and Wise. That was fun while it lasted. Their prices have gone through the roof. I'm going to let them beat me now. Um, you like to get a win out of those roles, but uh, we've been on Gooch. He's played well. Uh, didn't quite pull it off last week, but now I think there's now everybody's in on it. Yeah, And so I think you have a real opportunity if you're playing DraftKings this week to get off of those two guys And find these other plays. Maybe go up to Cam Smith. If you trust me, maybe play Adam Scott. I don't think people are going to play him. And I think you're creating real leverage there. Uh, Even though Wise played well here last year. I don't think this is a super-duper good fit for him necessarily. And then Gooch... I had a fourth place finish here last year and the year before, so I just think the ownership is gonna be so overwhelming there that it's an easy decision to just let him let him beat you. Agreed. I think it's gonna be a really interesting week. I do think the cream will rise to the top in this field. This is a big this is a big boy golf course. You gotta have your big boy pants on. This is par 7,400 7, yards in potentially stiff wins is no joke.
1: Yeah. No, it's uh hopefully that means that uh Neiman or Sungjae rises to the top.
0: Yeah, I like those picks. All right, thanks, sorry,
1: Yep, see ya.